given us a spirit of fear even though sometimes we still feel it but you've given us love power and a sound mind and we send them in Jesus name and everyone shouted amen amen let's give it up one more time Here's what I want you guys to do. I, I know many of you took a seat already. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them it's on. I mean, no, lit literally help me out here. Look at them again. Give them a crazy, crate like maniacal kind of look and just say, it's on. <laughs> I like how some of you got that grunt. Oh. Man, let's give it up for the band one more time as they get ready to take a seat. I am just so excited to preach part two of Surprise Me, and I'm going to teach it to you today. Uh, this house is a house that loves the word. We love scripture. We love the Bible. We are students of the word. And you know, whenever you've had a good meal, this is kind of like a joke inside my family, like I love to eat meat. At one point, I was actually a butcher. Does that scare you? And and, and so I love me, and Julie's going to be gone in Ukraine for the next couple of weeks. Um, and, and Bella actually turned, my 10-year-old daughter turned to, my, turned to my wife and said, are we just going to eat steaks the whole time? <laughs> like, are we actually, are we going to, like, just stay? And I was like, steaks and vitamins. That's how you get all your essential nutrients in this house once mom's gone. Um, but you know that there's a lot of Christians who are like, I want the meat of the word. But, but you know, sometimes it's okay to wash the meat down with a little bit of milk too. And I would just challenge all of you guys, especially the ones who've been in the game for a while, to take it deeper throughout the week. We actually issue these study notes and you have the opportunity each week to go deeper in these messages because I'll tell you in this room right now, we've got people who are still figuring out whether they think this is real. And we've got people that, that are so deep in the spiritual realm that they actually floated into the room. And, uh, and, and we have that whole spectrum in this room and there's only so much that I can do as your pastor and give or take 25 minutes before the movie theater handcuffs me and, and carries me out. But I would challenge you guys during the week to be, be a church and be a person who studies and takes it deeper because we will go there. Um, and so we're going to just jump this thing off. You can turn to your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. And uh, we're at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And you guys can just go ahead and take a look and see if you can find it. This is, you know, here's the thing. Whether I teach or preach, I'm going to sweat the same. So sometimes I find myself, you might just telling myself, you might as well just scream it because you're going to sweat the same. But um, today I've got a lot of material that I want to try to present in a very small amount of time. So while you're turning to Mark chapter 5, verses 
uh, 35. I want to welcome all the guests again. Thank you so much for being a part of service. And I just feel like um, I posted this. It's kind of corny. We said this in Indiana a lot. We're originally from Indiana, if you can't tell. But we used to always say a church alive is worth the drive. Have you ever heard that before? And I, I went out, it was funny, I did a Facebook Live video trying to encourage people to still come with the rain. Because, you know, it's like we will jump in a shower and anticipate and experience water, and we'll go to a water park, but we would never leave the house when it's raining on purpose. And we're kind of wired that way. Well, anyways, while I'm doing this Facebook Live video, all of a sudden, I kid you not, I said, we're just going to jump in. We're not going to let rain stop us. And as I said this, like a torrential bucket just dumped on me at the same time, and I was like soaking wet. Um, but I just want to give you guys props for showing up this morning and just saying, I've got to get something from God and I've got to get this thing. So, you know, it's just amazing. Yeah, you can give it up for yourself. We can slow clap. But before we get into Mark chapter four, um, I want to tell you guys something. So a church alive is worth a drive. The reality is you pretty much have to drive to get to this movie theater. And I've been married for over a decade to Julie. And Julie is amazing. And she really is my better half and all that. We know this. But there is something wrong with her that I've got to publicly confess on the podcast. And everyone listening in 61 countries around the world need to know that. And I discovered this very early on in our dating, okay? You know how every car has a door handle, right? And that door handle's primary function is to close the door and to open the door. You, you feel me? Are you guys tracking with me right now? Julie believes that at five foot two, I don't know, 75 pounds, <laughs> that she can, I just got, I scored some points for that gentleman. I scored some points. At, at, at five foot two, she can hold that doorknob or that door handle while we are driving and it will prevent any damage from any car accident that we could ever get in. In Julie's mind, as soon as she grabs that door handle, there's one down here and there's one up here that is going to save her no matter how tragic the car accident is. If it was like a five-time rollover, catastrophic event, heaven forbid, Julie believes if I could grip on tight enough to that handle, I will be the lone survivor. Am I right? This is like a thing that I have watched. Now, in New York traffic, especially when it rains, people almost immediately start pumping their brakes arbitrarily to make sure they still work. And they pump their brakes during the entire duration of their trip. Am I right? Don't be the church that does that. We are high-level drivers. Well, anyways, what Julie, ha Julie has never been in an accident and yet has this debilitating fear that something's going to happen every time my foot touches the brake pedal. And it's been like that for over a decade strong. It's not changing. It's not going anywhere. And I learned to just love her despite that. And there's part of me that wants to test her theory because that doorknob to her is better than a seatbelt. And the reason why I bring this up is because this series that we're in surprised me, we're dealing with fears. And in your minds, you have created this phenomenon where you know how to save yourself, whether there is data to support that or not. And I'm getting in and trying to uproot and pull out some weird mentalities that some of us have about fear in our lives. And I almost called this title, The Fear of Failure. But I wanted to flip it and go a little Pentecostal, and we're just going to call the title of this sermon today, this message, The Failure of Fear. 
the failure of fear. Fear is failing you in your life, and it is actually causing you to miss out on what God's got for you. Can we just look at the Bible together? Is it going to be all right to preach to you guys if I can't just teach this whole thing? Amen. <laughs> okay, we're going there. We're going there. Okay, Mark chapter 5 says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go to the other side. Look at that other person and say, come on, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then check this out. Verse 41 says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This message today is called the failure of fear. The failure of fear. The failure of fear. And you know, see, in their time, these guys were fishermen. So, so the boat to them would have been a common place. It would have been a place that they would have done most of their life. It would have been a common thing for them to be in a boat. So really what was probably the most terrifying experience that their imagination could conjure would have been a storm ripping through and completely obliterating them. And so now they are faced with this very fear. And it's interesting to me because when you're faced with fear, you have an opportunity to respond. And every single one of you under the sound of my voice, both in this room and the podcast, you were given the ability to feel fear. And a lot of times Christians and, and you know, pop culture, like these motivational speakers will try to convince you that it's the absence of fear in your life that's going to produce the presence of your destiny. But I just want to submit to you this morning that God gave you the ability to feel fear. That it is actually by God's design that you have the ability to feel fear. And a lot of times as Christians, our main concern is to try to get you past the place of fear, but we almost fake people out into thinking that that's going to occur actually after the fear disappears. And that's not really how it is. And I want to show you this for the deep theologians in this room. I got a revelation about Jesus calming the storm because some of you probably listen and say, Pastor Mike, I've been in the game for 10 years. I've heard it all. Oh, you're going to go with that cliche sermon. I know exactly where you're going to go with this. Well, let me just take you where I'm going to take you. Are you ready? Surprise, Surprise me. Come on. Somebody's getting my heart. Okay, now Jesus represented who and what we should be in the midst of a storm. He was modeling for us because let me just tell you, I've been on a boat before. I've been on a boat in a mild storm and falling asleep during that, unless there's something narcoleptic and like wrong with you, is probably not going to happen. Okay? And so the very fact that he was able to sleep during the storm was something he was modeling and teaching for the existence of believers in the future. Because on the other side of his spirit inhabiting us, we were going to be able to sleep on the cushion in the midst of the storm as well. And so what you have in Mark chapter 4 is Jesus saying that as culture, 
And as everything is raging around you, you have access to a supernatural sleep that will require an outside force waking you up. Is somebody tracking with me right now? And so what he's saying is this, let's go to the other side. I believe that even in traveling to the other side is, is for somebody in this room. You've been stuck at whatever level you've been. You've been stuck. Some of you guys I've met, have you ever met a 75-year-old who still has an advance past 22? You know, I, I had an internship, and in our internship, we had a 17-year-old all the way to a 75-year-old, and I discovered that you terminate at a different age by your own choice. And going to the other side is something you have to choose to do. It's an invitation that you accept from Jesus. So Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And for some of you today, that's how you're going to start your journey. He's saying, let you, let us go to the other side. Is somebody willing to go to the other side? Okay. Now on that journey, all of a sudden their greatest fear is realized. And I believe that Jesus in this place is a picture of supernatural rest and supernatural sleep. And there are some of you that are hearing this and you're saying, I wish I could sleep. I wish I could rest. And I'm here to tell you, oftentimes we read the Bible and we look at these people like, you see David, he said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. Well, let me, let me just give you like the deeper theological element of that. You know it's pretty much impossible to do that, right? You don't go, go to the, the, the Bronx Zoo and try to put a stranglehold on a lion and see what happens. And a lot of times we gloss over this stuff in the Bible, not realizing that there is such a supernatural element to it. David, who, this is a side note. I don't think it really mattered what he chose to kill Goliath. The favor and the anointing of God was so strong on him. That was what was going to kill the giant. He could have been like, I'm going to pick up this stick off the ground and throw it. And a twig would have launched into Goliath's eye and obliterated his brains. And he would have fell over. And it would have still always been about God. And a lot of times we try to be the own hero and superhero of the story of our life. And, and what we're saying is if I can just try hard enough and strive hard, hard enough, I can kill a giant. If I just strive hard enough, if I just do all these things and implement this in my life, I can have the kind of sleep during the storm that Jesus had. And it's just something that you have to receive. And so here's what happens. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Fear, you can write this down if you're taking notes today. Fear should be a data point, but not the decision maker. See, for Jesus, the fear that came in the midst of this storm was just a point of data that actually elicited a response. It wasn't the decision maker in and of itself. And for too many of us, the, the fear is the actual decision maker. And that's where we stop eternally. Now, let me just say this. I want to read you guys a study because it kind of blew my mind. They did a comprehensive study of Americans, and they do these each year. And the most recent one is from 2016. So I want to read to you what are the most pervasive fears that we struggle with right now as Americans reported by Americans. And maybe you guessed it, but the number one uh, fear, and this is 60% of all Americans that were polled in this comprehensive nationwide study said that their number one fear was corruption of governmental officials. 60%. I mean, that, that is insane to think about. Like, that's the thing that we're struggling with the most. The next down is terrorist attacks, 41%. The next one is not having enough money for the future. 
They must have exclusively pulled somewhere other than Long Island because that would probably been number one. Am I right? <laughs> it's being a victim of terror themselves, 38%. Then, then the next one was government restrictions on firearms and ammunition. And then you kind of go down from there. Uh, people, and this is, this is a strong one, people I love passing away. Economic or financial collapse. I'm going to keep reading them. You're like, man, this is so encouraging this morning. I am so glad I went to church. Identity theft. Sometimes I'm like, somebody who steals my identity would be so screwed, you know? <laughs> They'd be like, what a ripoff. I worked so hard for this on the black market. And like I always tell people, if you steal my iPhone, you're going to accept Christ going through it. You go through my iPhone, you're going to be bitterly weeping, repenting of all your sins because there's so many notes and sermons and inspirations and everything I save. Like, go ahead and steal my identity. Have fun with that. I died to self a long time ago. Hey, man, come on. Don't make me get Christian. People I love becoming seriously ill. And then the last one was the Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare. And I'm not here to preach politics this morning. I'm just telling you, these are the fears that America is reporting that they're struggling with the most. But where did we get to the point where we traded rational fears for irrational ones? Because when you were given this God design to experience the palpitation of your heart, to experience the walls closing in, you know what that was for? It was to save you. Now, the perversion of fear through the enemy, it's to destroy you. Somebody's going to learn something today. So what used to happen before we had uh, plush seats like this and culture and societies was we'd be kicking it in the woods. And all of a sudden, that tingle on the back of your neck, that's not the Holy Spirit, would have been a bear breathing down your neck. And your fear response would have been the very thing that initiated your survival. Now we've traded rational fears and the gift of the ability to process fear for irrational fears and a perversion of it. And the very thing that should save us is now destroying us. And we live in a society racked with fear. One of the books that I love, it's called The Culture of Fear by Barry Glasser. And you can read it. And it just talks about how we are what we ingest. So let me explain something to you. We have all these statistics I just read, right? How do you know how do over 60% of all Americans know to be distrustful of government officials? You think that that just innately occurred to them? That's a biological fear they were all born with? How, how do you know that, that you should be afraid of terror attacks? It's because what we consume and what we ingest is informing and perverting our fear. And we literally become the physical manifestation of what we consume through our ears and through our eyes. And so what happens is this, you've got Jesus in the boat and then CNN comes to him and wakes him up. Okay, are you following me? Because your default mode in Christ is sleeping in perfect rest in the midst of the storm that's around you. He was modeling what you have access to and what your disposition can be no matter what is happening around you. It's a supernatural rest. And so all of a sudden, Fox News comes to him and wakes him up. And all of a sudden, his sister comes to him and wakes him up. And all of a sudden, his cousin comes to him and wakes him up. And all of a sudden, he sees, do so you hear what I'm saying? The disciples represented 
Those who do not yet fully understand the perfect peace and rest of God and the plan of God and have not yet be, been redeemed by his blood and will constantly disrupt perfect peace and perfect sleep with their limited understanding of God's perfect will. Man, I know I'm preaching good this morning. I know I am. I know I'm preaching good, but fear has just permeated our culture. It is so perverse. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to read you something. Fear, which is a healthy thing that God's given you the ability to, to, to actually experience, produces boundaries that save you. Unhealthy fear creates boundaries that suffocate you. Are you tracking with me? So healthy fear produces boundaries that will save you. Unhealthy fear will suffocate you. Let me keep going. Fear produces reverence. Unhealthy fear creates isolation. Fear produces respect. Unhealthy fear produces bitterness. And I, I felt like as I begin to grapple with this issue of fear, which surprised me, the Lord wanted to take me deeper and said, don't give them this cliche, you're not going to feel any fear. Restore the very essence and nature of the fear that I gave them in the sense that I designed it. Because what happened is the fear of the storm that we're reading about was replaced with the terror of the Lord. And when you truly understand who's in charge, your fear will get redirected into the right places. And a lot of the fear that we feel in our lives is misdirected fear, and it lies to us. You know, a lot of studies that I was looking at actually seem to indicate that we are only born with two innate fears. Two. Isn't that mind-blowing to think about? The one was we are born with the fear of falling, and two, the fear of loud sounds. Isn't that crazy to think about? And, and what they did is they, and this was really like me, and I don't think I would have signed Everly up for this, but they took these toddlers and, and younger and exposed them to things that people were commonly afraid of. And they said, even the things like spiders and snakes that you would assume that we are innately afraid of, we actually pick up on the cues of fear from those around us so rapidly, it made it appear as if they were innate. So my question to you today is what fears have you learned? And what fears does God want you to unlearn so that you can receive a true fear and reverence for God and what he's doing? And a true, you know, the fear that produces boundaries, not the fear that produces bitterness. The fear that produces reverence, not the fear that produces isolation. And when you look at this story in, in Mark, it's just so incredible to see. He says, he got up, rebuked the wind and said, so he took that data point of what was happening. He took the Fox News channel and the CNN. He took what his family was saying to him and he added that up, up in the calculation, but he had an X factor and the X factor was the will of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, now when I divide or add any number by that factor, it, it still means God wins. Anything divided, multiplied by zero is still zero. And I'm telling you, all your worries and doubts, they don't coexist with the existence that I have for you. 
And what I love so much about these disciples is that he had spoke to them individually and said, you're going to be this, you're going to be this, you're going to be this. Julie was on a flight and uh, she was, you know, it was like one of those really bad turbulent flights, the ones that kind of make like make you summon up all the images you've been fed by the news sources of planes. And, you know, she was like, and, and Julie's, and I love her so much. She's such an inspiration to me because I'm more like, my default mode is like psychopathic fearless. Like, I'll just do it. Like, I'll jump out of the airplane. You know, I'm crazy like that. And then Julie's other end of the spectrum. And we make a good team because of that. But Julie, she does things despite the fear. And that's such an inspiration to me. But she's on this flight with all this turbulence. And behind her is this, this young girl who starts crying uncontrollably. And she's like, uh. and then Julie turns around and says, she gets up, I am a pastor. <laughs> That's how I that's how I saw it in my mind. <laughs> I am a pastor. I'm here to console you. And she began to pray for this girl and then find out that it was actually a Christian school on a trip. And the whole team, it was like a whole Christian crew who in that moment, like realized, I don't know if I believe in God the way I thought I did because I go to a Christian school, but I'm about to put my head between my knees and really believe in God because I don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> and do you know that God will use even those insane situations in your life to redirect you and and see fear is supposed to be an impulse that redirects but oftentimes it's an impulse that destroys us and i i feel like somebody in this place needs to hear that if you allow it the fears in your life can actually produce your destiny instead of reducing your destiny you know, the internet has changed so many things. Does anyone remember the good old days before the internet? Sometimes I'm like, man, I'm just going to start Nextel chirping people again and just turn the web off. I'm so done with it. But it's the exhaustion we feel as a result of consuming so much fear. You were not built to consume this much fear. You know that, right? Like in a normal society without the internet, which is the world wide web, you know, that's another way of saying take on the whole wide world's problems. You would only be experiencing limited doses of bad news. If this room right here was the only people you could communicate to, when I was an English teacher, I used to talk about how several generations ago, it wasn't uncommon to marry your second cousin, which is gross. It happens a lot in Indiana still. <laughs> But, but the reason why it wasn't uncommon is because you were so limited in your experiences outside of your particular region or town, it just was like, it's not that bad for the gene pool. But now because of the World Wide Web, we are consuming so much fear. And so now you're not just Jesus trying to sleep in a supernatural sleep and, and getting awoken by a couple disciples. You are actually trying to get into this supernatural sleep with a 24 cycle hour cycle of disruptions in your life. And it's exhaustion. You know, they have this motto in local news. If it bleeds, it leads. You know what that means? They, they make more money off of advertising if they can keep you hooked to watching the programming by showing you something that bleeds than they do by showing you something that makes you happy. And so we're getting our consciences hijacked all day long because if it bleeds, it leads, pumped full of fear, and then God's trying to give us a mission and we can't even accept it and go forward. But guess what's happening today? We're saying no. We're saying no more. 
We're saying we're done with that. Let's, let's take a look at this, this scripture that some of you have heard many times. It's 2 Timothy verses, uh, 1, verse 7, chapter 1, verse 7. And you've heard it many, many times, but I want to kind of give you the background. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Another translation that I was raised on says, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Yes, <laughs> but you know, oftentimes we read that and say, well, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but he gave you the capacity to feel it. And you know that word spirit in there is a capital S, which means, let me read another translation because it's going to help you. For the spirit, capital S, God has gave us does not make us timid. But God gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let me say it like this. God wants to give you a pneuma. Spirit means pneuma in Greek. It means breath. It means wind. It means air. He literally wants to breathe into you power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? But what we receive, what we consume instead is fear. And let me say it like this. When you drink alcohol, you get drunk. Am I right? Drink enough and you get drunk. But when you take in enough of the breath of God, the spirit of God, you will get self-control. And what's happening is that we are getting out of control because we are consuming all these things that literally are, are intoxicating us on fear, intoxicating us in worry, intoxicating us in anxiety because of what we're constantly consuming. And God is saying over and over and over again, I have not given you that. I've given you the rest that you see, Jesus, in the midst of the storm. But what you've received and said is what entertains you. You know, what, what I love so much, I heard this guy say it before, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but what he does give you is a happy terror. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but after he delivered them from the storm that was going to ravage and wreck their life and literally cause them in that moment to never see the light of day again, they exchanged their fear of the storm for terror of the Lord. And I want to be in that place again where I can say, God, I'm in a place where you are so real and so profoundly apparent in this moment that I fear you and you alone. Is there anyone else who wants to go there with me? Because see, what happens is if everything you're consuming is natural-minded, it will produce a natural consequence for your life. But everything that you consume as it becomes more of the breath and spirit of God will produce a supernatural perspective. Would you all just stand to your feet with me right now? We're going to close this down. Right now in this room, you've got to decide whether you want to continue to binge on irrational fears or whether you want to get into the place where you receive the breath of God in your life. You know, Julie, I, I think that it's time for some of you like her to release the door handle of life. Let go of the things that comfort you but will not save you. Does somebody hear me in here? 
because Julie's gripping onto that, 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 that handle so hard and she thinks in her mind, like, if I could just hold on tight enough to this handle in this car, it doesn't matter what happens or how hard he hits the brakes or what we hit, I'm going to be okay. And in your life, what's the door handle you're hanging onto? Maybe it's cigarettes. Maybe it's like, I keep going back to the nicotine because it does something biologically to my brain. That's your door handle. You know, Evan and I, I preached this, a similar message when we were in Indiana and a guy literally took us out to the parking lot and said, I'm going to rip up all my cigarettes and throw them in a dumpster right here because that thing for me represents a search for comfort, a false comfort. You know, what is the substance? What is the thing that you keep holding on to? And it is, it's a door and God's looking at you. He's trying, Jesus did take the wheel. You gave him the wheel. You gave him charge of your life. And he's, and you're in the passenger seat and you're holding on to that thing so tight thinking that you can save yourself. No. Is it alcohol? Like it was for me. And God's saying, let go of that thing that could never save you in the first place. Are you finding your escape and your release in pornography? Is that where it started? It's, you know what, I'm going to go to this place because I'm so tired of the isolation and loneliness. Can I say that in church? Is it okay for us to get real? I don't, I don't want to righteously fulfill that desire, but I'm going to retreat into this place where I can fulfill it because you know what? It's safer to grab hold of that and feel like I have a semblance of comfort than be confronted with the fact that I'm really not in control at all, that the master's in control. But then you find out this crazy thing when you release those things, when you release the false comforts, you begin to get lulled into this supernatural sleep. Oh, I'm telling you, I found it out. I tasted it with my own mouth. I have seen that it is real this crazy thing happens when you stop binging on the fears of the world and you start taking in that pneuma when you start taking in that breath of God when you start receiving what he has for you you begin to get intoxicated with a new wine and it's something that takes you down into that bed into the very bottom of that ship and everything is raging around and no maybe your family don't understand and no maybe the president doesn't understand according to you and and no, maybe they don't know what the solution is, but you just say, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm beginning to get sleepy. I should be worried, but there's something coming over my mind. It's a release. It's an exchange that begins to happen. And I'm telling you that God wants you to exchange it. God wants you to trade it. And man, it's such a raw deal he gets because we give him our broken pieces and he gives us a whole life back and we're never gonna deserve it. It's all, a, it's all a false imagination to think that you can ever deserve it. But I'm here to tell you guys, V1 Church will have the fear and reverence of God, but we won't fear a man. We won't fear people's opinions. We won't fear what's gonna happen tomorrow because we know who holds our tomorrow. And we are a church that's gonna live free. And we are gonna accept the rational fears that produce boundaries that save us, but not the irrational ones that suffocate us. And we are gonna move into the fullness of what God has for us. And we are not gonna be bound by that. And guess what? And I don't know who this is for in this place, but you know that the disciples walked the walk with Jesus for three years expecting him to fail them. And you can see it in the book the whole time. And there's some of you that even been going to this church expecting to get failed, expecting for them to let you down. Well, let me just give you the short answer. They're not Jesus. They probably are gonna fail you. But we've got a love so strong 
and we get back up again and we mend relationships and the true test of unity is what happens in a disagreement not ha what happens in an agreement and you know the disciples they belonged before they believed and you know it's funny because I got people every single week coming to this church who are saying I still don't even know if I believe in God but I feel like I belong at V1 and I'm saying to you keep on coming because he's getting ready to change your fears for the fear of the Lord because he's going to come up and show up in your life so real that you're going to know that he is who he says he is and in that moment there's a terror that you feel but it's not the same kind of fear that's wrecked and ravaged your life it's a it's a happy terror it's a happy terror that comes over your heart that says oh God he's here oh God he's real oh God he is who he says he is and it brings you down to your knees and it begins to take you over and wash you out of those fears that could have destroyed you and wash you out of those fears that should have robbed you of your past and it comes over you so real that all you can do is say over and over he is who he says he is he is who he says he is he is who he says he is and in that moment that the disciples watched him calm the sea in that moment that they watched him calm the raging storm all of a sudden they had to acknowledge in their gut he is who he says he is and he's real he's real and from that moment on they had to make a choice do I want to be afraid of man or do I want to fear the man and if you're in this place and you're saying I'm ready to take on the fear of the Lord I'm ready to walk as a burning one and a righteous one of God in this region with every eye closed right now let him deal with your heart let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart if you're in this place right now and you're saying I've got to exchange the Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.